We are looking at, and have been for a while, but now it's being realized or being verbalized by Western leaders in a new world order in which China is a major player. We have this ridiculous, late even, realization by the UK Prime Minister Sunak saying, Communist China is now actively challenging the international world order. The growing influence of China now represents a challenge to the world order, Sunak has admitted, with the UK now calling for Western nations to stand up to the increasingly powerful Eastern nation. Sunak's statement came amid a newly agreed deal between the UK, the US, and Australia. Now, let me back up for a second before I give you the punchline. Wasn't our 45th president railing against China, their influence, their evil, their agenda? And, oh, he's a racist. And then we saw all these trove of, all of a sudden, Asian hate crimes. Where'd the Asian hate crimes go? How come there's zero news on Asian hate crimes as of late? So Trump is no longer president and poof, magically, people's uh, supposed animus toward Asian Americans vanishes? Of course not. That whole thing was manufactured. Manufactured to hide what was really going on when it comes to the virus, its origin, and getting people to uh, succumb to certain uh, injections to combat to, uh, excuse me, excuse me, to combat that virus. So what is it that the US, the UK and Australia are doing? Are, are they boosting internal manufacturing? Are they hitting them with bigger tariffs? Working with other friendlier countries? to manufacture things because, you know, they don't want to bring manufacturing back here because of global global climate crisis. But they're fine with raping and pillaging the natural resources of third world countries like Africa and uh, using the cheap labor of places like Vietnam, etc. Just not in my backyard. No, what this UK, US, Australia alliance about is about folks it's always has to do with the military industrial complex they have the two nations along australia and the uk along with the u.s are it's about a nuclear submarine deal in an attempt to tip the military balance in the indo-pacific according to a report by the bbc sunak views the deal as proving the uk the UK's commitment to global security in a world that is ever increasingly fraught with political tension. This came while he was speaking in California along with Joe Biden. Okay, let me preface this by saying I am not a fan of China and we have been, I am a true through and through anti-Marxist. And the worst Marxist regime on the planet is the Chinese Communist Party. Ask the millions of people who are no longer here and can't answer that question because Mao starved them. 
Ask the Uyghurs. Ask the millions of people under the thumb of Xi Jinping. The biggest victim of the tyranny of the CCP are the Chinese people themselves. I hope if you're a Christian or a person of faith or spirituality that you're praying for our brothers and sisters in China. This has nothing to do with the Chinese people. This has to do with the corrupt government. While all of that is happening, this is what the Wall Street Journal just reported. The new surge of of diplomacy reflects a conviction on the part of Mr. Xi and the Communist Party that China can offer an alternative to the U.S.-led model of international relations. So while the West is out there flexing, we, we must protect ourselves against China by shoring up our military, which, of course, I totally agree with. Don't get me wrong. But war is a de facto solution. Now, once again, I don't trust China, but isn't it interesting that while the U.S. is failing on the international stage ever since Joe Biden was ushered into the job, he's surrendered military equipment to the Taliban in Afghanistan. He has been, along with with NATO, fighting a proxy war against Russia via Ukraine. That it's China's Xi Jinping that has, at least in optics, because I don't trust China, is trying to assume the role of a peacemaker. They brokered a historic uh, peace deal between Saudi Arabia and Iran. And now he's holding peace talks with the Ukrainian and Russian leaders. Now he already called Putin and next week he will be calling Zelensky. Meanwhile, the West is trying to fan the flames of World War III and wanting to escalate things with Russia, a nuclear power. Boy, boy, boy has the landscape changed since they did what they did to the Donster. You know what I'm saying, folks? You know what I'm saying? And look, it's not about Russia invading Ukraine. They want regime change in Russia. Now, I'm no fan of Putin in Russia. He is a tyrant. I'm not on that uh, boat that because I reject Zelensky and our intervention and our constant funding of war in Ukraine doesn't mean that I support Putin. Putin did have a legitimate concern about having missiles on his doorstep via NATO and Ukraine. And Putin has not been a friend to the European globalist world order and the globalist European and American banker baron system. So, of course, they've always lamented not having a larger piece of that Russian pie. So it's not just about stopping the war. They want regime change in Russia. And that was vocalized very clearly by Canadian Foreign Minister Melanie Jolie, who has admitted that the Canadian government goal is to see Russia, uh, not just leave Russia, leave Ukraine, but to topple the government of the Russian president, 
Vladimir Putin itself. Foreign Minister Jolie, a senior member of the cabinet of Prime Minister Justin Trudeau, made a remark as Canada has enacted new sanctions against the imports of Russian aluminum and steel, outright mentioning the proposal of regime change. We're able to see how much we're isolating the Russian regime right now because we need to do so economically, politically, and diplomatically. And what are the impacts also in society and how much we're seeing potential regime change in Russia, she stated. The goal is definitely to do that, is to weaken Russia's ability to launch very difficult attacks against Ukraine. We also want to make sure that Putin and his enablers are held accountable. Now, these actually are the first time that she has mentioned the prospect of regime change in Russia. And it was met with skepticism from the Russian ambassador to Canada. So, there you have it, folks. And now we have this incident yesterday. The U.S. European Command issued a statement Tuesday evening, local time, that there is an incident involving two Russian Su-27 aircraft harassing and attacking an unmanned U.S. MQ-9 Reaper drone over the Black Sea Tuesday morning, which reportedly we have been flying over that international airspace with drones, monitoring it there since before the Russian-Ukraine war. The Russians, we're told, were dumped fuel on the drone, flew in front of it, and eventually collided with it, bringing a a propeller and forcing the U.S. controllers to crash the drone down into the sea. This is the first reported clash between the U.S. and Russian militaries in the Ukraine war. I don't think we've heard anything from Biden yet on this. Probably a good thing. It would probably just get escalated. Now, big bad U.S., what do they say? Well, White House National Security Council spokesman John Kirby gave this weak initial response yesterday. He said that the State Department would reach out and expressly and directly make our concerns known about the incident with Russian officials. Stop that, Russia. Stop it. Once again, I'm not saying we should escalate in war. It's just that everything in every position is weak. Okay? Okay. So this uh, incident was not an accident. Russia is sending an, uh, an unmistakable message to Washington, to NATO. They're flexing that uh, they're prepared to act against NATO and NATO assets if they continue meddling in the Ukraine-Russian war. That's the new world order that we're in. Let's come back to Washington, folks. We got an update on Mitch McConnell. He didn't just stumble and hurt himself. Uh, This is what we have. Senate Majority, excuse me, he used to be Majority Leader, but since he allowed to happen what happened a couple years ago, he got demoted to Minority Leader. But they don't care, folks. It's all the same old boys network, the uniparty and the false dichotomy that uh, in Washington, with the exception of a few individual, literally, we can count them on on a few sets of hands and feet. Of the 435 congressmen and women, of the 50 senators, there's just maybe a few dozen that are actually working for we the people. Mitch McConnell, (laughs) sure as hell, is not one of them. 
Minority leader Mitch McConnell, 81 years old, has been incommunicado since falling and injuring himself last Wednesday night. So we're going on a week at a Senate fundraising dinner. No photos or video of McConnell have been released. At least the Fetterman people have released some ridiculous photos, making it look like he's working. But here is uh, the statement from uh, his people. Leader McConnell's concussion recovery is proceeding well, and the leader was uh, discharged from the hospital. At the advice of his physician, the next step will be a period of physical therapy at an inpatient rehabilitation facility before he returns home. Over the course of treatment this weekend, the leader's medical team discovered that he also suffered a minor rib fracture on Wednesday, for which he is also being treated. So, uh, concussion, a broken rib, uh, Fetterman whisked away uh, in hiding so that they can't have a special election. D.C. sure is a uh, weird place and a dangerous place, too. I mean, black tie dinners causing you broken ribs and concussions. All right. So, by the way, the, uh, the CNN reporters who are very friendly says that a person close to Fetterman says he will be out in two weeks and claims that doctors told him he will be as good or better. Good or better than what? His best days post-stroke. Oh. Boy, has the bar been set low. He's going to be just as good as he was at his worst time before it got worse. Man, the spin. Man, do they spin. Okay, the DOJ issued a response to Tucker Carlson and the video footage of Jacob Chansley being escorted uh, escorted through the U.S. Capitol. These are absolutely vile, evil, sick, wicked people, sons of and daughters of the father of lies himself, the man who sets himself up as God of this fear, Satan himself. The DOJ uh, responded to Tucker Carlson's report last Monday on shaman Jacob Chansley being escorted by Capitol Police through the U.S. Capitol on January 6, 2021. Remember, Chansley committed no violence. He said a prayer. He thanked the police for their service. He asked for permission to enter the U.S. Capitol. After he entered the building, he pleaded guilty to obstruction of an official proceeding, which wasn't even taking place when he got there. Uh, a new charge, by the way, that only Trump supporters uh, get because we've seen everywhere from Michigan to our own U.S. Capitol where leftists have, uh, and members of Congress even, uh, elected officials have uh, dist- uh, tried to obstruct an official proceeding and nothing has happened. So he's serving 41 months for his crime. And this is what the uh, is being reported by ABC News. The Justice Department is in a new filing put forward its most direct response yet to footage aired last week by Fox News host Tucker Carlson. It seeks to downplay the actions of the self-described shaman who was convicted and sentenced to prison. In response to a filing from a defendant charged with seditious conspiracy along with other members of the Proud Boys currently on trial who has sought to have his case dismissed in part over the newly aired footage, prosecutors argued that the roughly four minutes aired by Carlson 
of Jacob Chansley's movement lacks the context of what Chansley actually did during the roughly hour-long period he was inside the building. So they said he was a violent insurrectionist, even though we can see that he was escorted by police. They tried to open doors for him. He prayed for them. He was nonviolent, and he was, uh, as a shaman, was sitting there pounding on a drum or some sort of percussion instrument. And we've seen lots of footage of Jacob Chansley, more than just the four minutes that was shown to us by Tucker Carlson last week, that it lacks context. And that what Chansley actually did was worse than what we saw. They revealed the video aired by Carlson was captured on internal CCTV cameras only from approximately 2.56 p.m. to 3 p.m. after Chansley had already breached the police line with the mob and faced off with members of the U.S. Capitol Police for more than 30 minutes in front of the Senate chamber doors while elected officials, including the Vice President of the United States, were fleeing from the chamber. Yet they were peacefully after that confrontation from 2.56 to 3 trying to get him into the Senate chambers and walking around with him and escorting him. No one is falling for that malarkey. Now, let's get into Tucker Carlson last night where he said something so bombastic. I'm going to have to cover it on my other show later today. My goodness gracious, you're going to want to catch my next episode over at BCP Unfiltered. I'm going to actually do it uh, produce it right after I do this show. So make sure that, I don't know, give me about two or three hours after this goes up, you'll be able to head over to therealbcp.com or bcpextras.com or listen to it on the BCP podcast at bcppodcast.com. I am going to show you the bombastic thing that you can freely go see what Tucker Carlson said. And I'm going to give you the entire story of J6 over there. But there was something else that happened yesterday that was eye-opening and very sobering to me on Tucker Carlson's show last night with this victim, Daniel Goodwin, of the evil, evil, Department of Justice. He said something that I had never considered or even heard before. And it got me thinking, that is actually one of the most poignant things I've heard and an absolute truism. All right, enough of the preface. Let's get into this. One of the things we learned, maybe the main thing we learned when we finally got access to thousands of hours of surveillance footage that the January 6th committee had been hiding, is that some of the people the media told you were terrorists, they were terrorists and needed to go to prison, and who did go to prison, actually never committed terrorism of any kind, just the opposite. They just kind of wandered through the Capitol building. That's true of Jacob Chansley. Come on, Tucker. The Department of Justice says that that's not true of Jacob Chansley, that it lacks context that he really is a violent insurrectionist as Black Lives Matter gets a pass. Hmm. But he's hardly the only one. This is video of a man called Daniel Goodwin walking through the Capitol through an open door on January 6, 2021 at exactly 3.32 p.m. That is long after the doors were breached. Let's not forget that breach does not apply to all the doors of the Capitol. 
oh, I don't know, they were electronically opened in some instances from the inside by security, showing that the Capitol insurrection was literally an inside job. Yes, there were some provocateurs that broke windows and broke through things. Those were Antifa and probably feds and other operatives. It wasn't organic. And probably a few patsies that got caught up in that as well. But we've got video footage of someone looking at a a security camera and going, pointing to the door, and then it was electronically unlocked. So be very careful of weighted words that you hear, like breached and insurrection and violence and, and broke through, when in fact they were entrapped. This was an entrapment. They were invited in, and now they're paying the price. And not just Jacob Chansley. Now, we got this video, the one you're watching now, from the Speaker of the House's office earlier this month. And in it, you can clearly see that Goodwin was inside for less than a minute. And when he was asked to leave, he left. He left. Unlike Antifa or Black Lives Matter that burned, pillaged, and uh, were disobedient to police, and yet were bailed out by the likes of the current vice president. So there's no dispute about any of that. It's all on tape. But the DOJ is still trying to send Daniel Goodwin to prison. And in the meantime, they have completely wrecked his life. He didn't break anything. He walked in, was asked to leave, and less than a minute later, he left. Yet they're trying to send him still to prison. Plus, he's already been incarcerated and on home arrest. And they're still trying to go after him. Give us a sense of what the federal government has done to you for the crime of wandering around the Capitol for one minute and leaving when asked. Yeah, it's uh, what they've done is I had to spend um, about a month incarcerated pretrial and then about a year in pretrial um, home confinement. And uh, I was facing 20 years uh, and now I'm still facing one year. The government knew because this footage was actually given to his defense team, so the prosecutor had it. They know that he entered in, was asked to leave, and he walked right out back less than a minute later. Yet, they arrested him for a month. They kept him in pretrial incarceration for a month. He was under house arrest for a year, and they were still trying to go after him for a 20-year prison sentence, and and whatever happened legally there, they're still trying to they're still trying to go after him for a year, even though he walked right in and walked right out. Uh, You're facing a full year in after. prison for that. That's right. I was in there for less than a minute. Just want to be as fair and transparent as possible. Is there anything you're leaving out? Did you commit vandalism? Did you hurt anyone? Of course not. He's an American loving patriot. <laughs> that is the realm of Antifa. And BLM. James, why do you keep mentioning BLM and Antifa? Oh, I don't know. Because they plagued America with their insurrectionist violence. And nothing's happened to them. Yet we have protesters, peaceful protesters. From January 6th, languishing, rotting, being abused and tortured in D.C. gulags. And that is why... What is said here next, for me, 
was very eye-opening. It's actually in uh, the documents that I even said I didn't steal anything, I didn't break anything, you know, I didn't hurt anyone, anything like that. So, I mean, how is what they're doing to you allowed in this country? I mean, you seem like a political prisoner. What would be another name for it? Uh, political hostage, because prisoners have rights, and they've taken many of our rights away as January Sixers. Wow. I honestly never thought of it that way. I've always thought of them as political prisoners, which, of course, we know that prisoners, uh, political prisoners, aren't regular prisoners in that they are subject to abuse of the law, lying, and they're set up, right? They're they're set up. But I'd never consider that these are actually political hostages because prisoners have rights. To even call them political prisoners is a misnomer. They are political hostages because they're being held against their will under false pretenses and illegally. Prisoners have rights and international rights are are, are, are being abused or, or these J6ers are being abused against even internationally considered cruel and unusual punishment standards. Many of these people have been in, in, in solitary confinement longer than they're supposed to be. They've been physically beat and abused by prison guards in America. Wow. They're not political prisoners. They are political hostages. That, that really, to me, hit the nail on the head and was a very poignant moment in this exchange on Tucker Carlson last night. Now, why did I keep mentioning BLM and Antifa? Well, how about this, folks? How about this? Let me tell you why. While the banking segment has been downgraded to negative by Moody's, it has been discovered that four banks gave more than 60 billion dollars to BLM related causes over the past few years. BLM was actually responsible for destruction, for terrorism. People died, people were murdered, women were violated during these Summer of Love BLM protests in the summer of 2020. By the way, Tucker Carlson said something at the very end of that segment, which, again, I will cover on BCP Unfiltered later today. Yesterday, Moody's rated the entire banking segment as negative. Folks, this is a huge deal. This, this is how they, they Moody's ranks industries by how solid they are. And the banking, the entire banking segment has been rated as negative. And now we're finding out that U.S. corporations have awarded over $80 billion to Black Lives Matter. And this is according to a report from Breitbart and the Claremont Institute. Breitbart saying, The BLM movement and related causes received an, an astonishing $82.9 billion from corporations, a new funding from the database from the Claremont Institute has found. 
JP Morgan, Bank of America, Goldman Sachs, Fifth Third Bank were some of the top contributors. They were, they were, those were four of the six uh, top contributors. And they donated more than $60 billion to BLM. Oh, how about uh, Silicon Valley Bank themselves? The ones in question because they started this whole thing. Folks, get ready for this number. Woke Silicon Valley Bank gave over $73 million to Black Lives Matters movements. The exact number according, according to the uh, BLM movement and related causes uh, database for the Center for the American Way of Life is 73450000 That's coming from the same Claremont Institute's Center for the American Way of Life. It looks like there is an update already from Breitbart. It's not $60 billion. Wow, folks. Breitbart, I'm seeing this. The, 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 here's the Breitbart. $82.9 billion from corporations. I guess they're digging deeper and, and finding it's BLM and BLM related. So maybe they missed something from the original report. It's now almost to $83 billion. By the time I publish this video on YouTube, it'll probably be over $100 billion. Can you say money laundering? Wow. And by the way, let us uh, let me mention a few things about SVB. Their board of directors was packed with Democrats. Check this out. New York Post. One, it was a Hillary, uh, a Hillary Clinton mega donor who went to the Shinto shrine to pray after Donald Trump won the White House. Another person on the board worked for President Barack Obama before her own political career spectacularly failed. A third is a prolific contributor to Democrats, including Nancy Pelosi, who owns the Napa Valley Vineyard just 15 minutes from the House uh, former House speakers. These are people who were sitting on the board of directors of SVB Bank. This is the board of directors. Again, a mega donor, a former Obama person, and a person who is a huge contributor to Democrats and owns a, a Napa Valley vineyard. There's even an improv performer. And check this out. The 12 directors who were supposed to oversee fallen Silicon Valley Bank and prevent the catastrophic er errors that threw the entire banking system into jeopardy on Friday. They may not be household names, but they are facing a series of investigations into their collective role in its collapse. <clears throat> and check this out. Only one member had investment banking experience. But that's okay. They were woke because SBD touted its diversity, noting in its 2020 proxy statement that 45% of its board are women in addition to other adversities like one black member, one alphabet Q plus member, and that is why you should bank with them. $83 billion to Black Lives Matter, but they're throwing the book at our J6ers.
disgusting, and that is the tyranny that we are currently living under, under the regime of the former Vice President, Joseph Robinette Biden Jr. Please, folks, don't miss my report I'm putting up uh, later today. You can catch it at bcpexus.com or you can join our community for free over at therealbcp.com or catch it on the bcppodcast.com. Don't forget that we also have a sister YouTube channel called the BCP Report. Junioret has a report that uh, is going up today as well. Make sure you check out everything. The links to everything are down below. Until the next one, ciao, goodbye. God bless.